Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and today we have Vivian Garnes, the CEO and co-founder of Upfluence, which is one of the leading influencer marketing platforms. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Vivian's background and how their team came up with the idea of a data-driven influencer marketing platform. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to talk to my listeners. If you need any help with your influencer marketing strategy, reach out to my team now. We can help you amplify your online presence, generate more traffic, and boost your revenue. For more information, check out my site, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Hey guys, what's going on? We got Shane Barker here with the Marketing Growth Podcast, and I'm super, super pumped about the guest that we have today. I'll tell you, um, he is an originator in the influencer space, has been around a long time. They've been making huge strides for what, almost nine or 10 years now. Um, we've been going back and forth trying to get the interview going, and we were lucky enough to be able to get some time out of his busy schedule um, and me coming back from Costa Rica and all the moons aligned. And I have with me Vivian Garnis today from Upfluence. What's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Shane. Yeah, well, like I said, thanks for taking the time. And I know you guys have been doing a lot of things. I've been following you guys um, almost stalkerishly for a long time and seeing what you guys are doing. I've, I've been real proud of you guys. And I'm excited about chatting with you today. I appreciate you taking the time. So Likewise. what I always like to do is, is to start the podcast off. Is I always like to talk to people and kind of get to a little bit, uh, a little more about yourself and kind of where you grew up and, and that kind of thing and get a little background there. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in France. I'm pretty sure from my accent, you guys have figured it out now. But uh, yeah, I grew up in the beautiful city of Lyon in France. Uh, I don't know if uh, your audience is familiar, but it's Give or Take, second or third largest city in the country. Wow, that's awesome. I've never been out there. I've been to Cannes. I've been to well, a few different places um, out there. I have not been there. I might have to add that to my list of places to go. France is absolutely amazing. Like I've been, Every time I've gone out there, it's been nothing but a good time. Obviously, great coffee baguettes, all the, the typical stuff that you think about, but it's definitely impressionable. Well, thanks. And uh, well, so, you know, we, we have to put out good stuff. So you have to put off with the French people as a consequence, right? It's <laughs> give, give gotcha. or take. You know, it's funny. I have a, a funny little story about that. So when I was in France, this was 20 something years ago, I was there with some friends of mine and I was, we were leaving and we were going to the airport and I was in a, in a, in a waiting in a taxi and I said, Hey, I need to pick some wine. So it's like, just stop at a local wine shop. So I went in there and and said, hey, I, I need to pick out some wine. And, you know, the, the guy at the counter kind of gives me a little look like, oh, an American. He's like, okay, you know, and kind of, so I was like, and he wasn't going to help me. And I was like, listen, I just, you know, I want to buy 10, 15 bottles. I don't really know what to buy. And I'm kind, kind of a rush. And he's kind of ignored me. And I said, you know what? I'll, I'll just pick it by the labels. That's fine. I'll just pick it by the labels. He goes, you don't pick wine by the labels. And he comes over to me and then he starts helping me. So I thought that was kind of funny. He's like, do not, do not pick it from the labels. And I was like, oh, are you sure? Because I could do that. And he's like, no, no, no. No, and he picked the bottles for me, and then I, I was able to get them before I left. Typical, All right? Yeah, it was kind of funny. So, tell me a little bit that. So, obviously, grew up in 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 France. So, how big was your family growing up? Um, so growing up, a family of four. Uh, I have one big brother, two parents, and interestingly, I'm, I've reproduced that pattern because I currently have a family of four, I'm happily married with two kids, one three years old, uh, soonish, and one one month old. Wow! Congratulations. So you're Thank you're you. busy, boy. Three years old and a and a, and a just brand new baby. And both of which have uh, chicken pots to make matters oh, more interesting. Oh man, that's well. Gosh, that's good old chicken pots. That just never ends. The gift that keeps on giving for a while. And then obviously, yeah, okay. I'm assuming you guys didn't get chicken pox, so that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, usually that's something you get once, and uh, yeah. both the wife and I had it when we were children, so we're immune. 
There we go. I guess you're getting it out of the way. I guess there, there, there's a time to get out of the way. I guess there's no better time than now, huh? Absolutely. So, yeah. So tell us about something interesting, like an interesting fact about you growing up. Anything fun, interesting that we, that the audience should know about? Um, I'm a big uh, musician. Uh, I, I like to define myself as a musician in recovery, you know. Uh, and um, <laughs> I, I started guitar really young, classical guitar at first. Graduated musical school age 16. I presented some contest national concourses and contests in music. After which I decided to move to electric guitar, started a metal band. We toured for a few years. We had a record deal for a little while. So, um, yeah. And after which, whenever Upfront started, uh, it was, you know, I had to pick and choose. So I went to full uh, steam ahead with entrepreneurship and I had to put my guitar skills on the side. But uh, I like to think that one day I'll have the time to, to get back to it. That's awesome. So how long did you do that for? That's like, I mean, that's super awesome. So um, I played for about 20 years now and uh, the band was uh, together for almost 10 years. And uh, I think we, we did about 200 gigs during 10 years with very varying intensity all across Europe. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, th there is something obviously, you know, we see the, the, the artist or the musician up on stage and there, you know, there is a little piece, I think, of everybody that's like, God, that would be awesome. You know, to go up there and be on stage and have some mm -hmm. fun. And, you know, and of course, it's hard. I mean, I, I used to do, back in the day, I did a lot of traveling. Well, a lot of traveling because I was, you know, and so it was, you know, going to hotel and hotel. People were like, oh, that'd be awesome. You know, there's, it's difficult. You know, it's hard it traveling like that it, with, on relationships and just everything, family and things you got going on, especially if I don't think you were probably married at the time. So you probably was a little more, yeah, so a little more freedom there, right? And mm -hmm. you didn't have two kids that have chicken pox at the house where your wife's going, hey, when are you coming home? Right. While you're on a tour bus or, you know, in a van. But um, that's awesome. And I think that's always I, I love the guitar. I think I my I've actually bought my wife one. This is a few years ago just because she was like, I really want to get into the guitar. She didn't jump into it the way that I, I think she wanted to. But it's it is something else. Just a beautiful instrument. And so congratulations on, on having the success of doing that and probably have some some pretty good stories that we don't have time for today. But I'm some yeah. for some pretty interesting stories. Another time. Absolutely. Another time for sure. Yeah, we'll do it over a glass of wine or a beer or something. I'm sure one day. Um, so where are you, where do you currently live? You're no longer in France, but you're in New York, right? So I happen to still be in France. Um, oh, it's true are. that the, yeah, the, the business is headquartered uh, in New York. Both of my co-founders are in the U S but uh, I myself have stayed behind in the old continent. Gotcha. No, it's, I mean, you, you know, you got to stick where the roots are at sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that. And you know, with technology, you know, it's like yeah. what you can, you know, it's, as long as you got good internet and you know, it's, it's, Absolutely. it's not a bad deal at all. And so where did you, where did you go to college also in, in France? Also in France, also in Lyon, uh, I did do a couple of exchange programs. So I went twice for a fairly long amount of time in the UK. First uh, in Chelmsford, uh, which is Southern England and once in Edinburgh in Scotland. And uh, I had a wonderful time there. It's where I learned most of my English. That's where I met my wife. So, uh, uh, you know, a pretty uh, transformative experience for me, but uh, yeah, um, had, uh, had a great time in college. Studied five years for a master's program in business. And um, after that, I worked. And in parallel to my work, I actually did a, a doctorate degree, a, a PhD in, as it happens, influencer marketing. So uh, I, I have approached the topic from both the business side and the academic side. That's this. That is interesting to me, very interesting to me. And, I, and we'll talk about this a little later. Like, how did you actually, let's talk about it right now, because I'm curious on okay. how did you meet the other two co founders, like if they're in the US? So they are actually French as well, because nobody's perfect. And uh, we met in college um, with, uh, with uh, Kevin and uh, Jan. So we had the fourth musketeer uh, who left the, 
the company uh, operational. He's still on the board, still very you know, active, but he's no longer operational. So two from business school and um, Kevin, so my co-founder, co-CEO, who's based in New York, he had started another company prior uh, with a genius developer named Alexi, who was an intern in the company, but who was show showing great promise. And so when we put together uh, the team for Upfluence, uh, he was uh, one of the first people we called. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. I was just kind of interested because if they're in the U.S. and then you being in France, I just was curious. But that makes sense. College years, getting yeah. together. And, and you see if you have a Ph.D. in it. Huh? Where That was interesting. Yeah. So um, it's, it's pretty much a professional doctoral program. So it's only for people who have some years of uh, professional experience. Having you know already founded Upfront, had access to a ton of data, which was definitely an unfair advantage. Uh, but I was uh, able to put together a thesis. I'll show you how it's done here. Um, so yeah, this is uh, my Bible about influencer marketing ROI, as a, as a matter of fact. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, I love that. I you know I, I taught a class over at UCLA as a personal branding, how to be an influencer course there, and that was awesome. you know really it was influencer marketing, but really touched on just you know being an entrepreneur, like hey, how do you build your personal brand and you know kind of getting that out there. But you guys, that's a, a, an actual a PhD in it. That's awesome. I love that. I have to look into that because I'm always intrigued about. Um, other things, I always feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of the game. So there's always more that you can learn. And so I feel like we got to, you know, I'll have to maybe take a look at your program that you took. You never know. I might have to go out there. Yeah, and, and, and I'll send you some links. Yeah, do that. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So cool. I'm excited, man. So we're going to talk about, obviously, you being a co-founder and the co-CEO of Upfluence. Um, I wanted to like, I wanted to understand, well, obviously, we understand there was you and Kevin and the guys in college, right? You guys kind of put that the whole thing together. Um, but how did you guys come up with the idea? I mean, what was the deal? You guys are in college, you're going through classes and you're chatting with the guys, you're having a beer and you're thinking, you know, we can do this. Like, wait a second. Like we, we've got, we've got the talent here. Like what was the, what were the next steps? Like, what was that process? So as much as beer was definitely involved, it was a uh, uh, one step in, in the middle <laughs> is that so after college, uh, we sort of went our separate routes. Uh, so Kevin, as I mentioned, uh, purebred entrepreneur, I, I don't think he's ever worked for somebody else in his life. So, you know, he started his own <laughs> business. Uh, it's a startup. And I myself joined the startup um, as one of the early employees, early marketing employees. And uh, so it was a SaaS company, B2B SaaS company, selling basically uh, access to a search engine for market research dedicated. Right? And that was a, a pretty good uh, gig. And uh, I was, basically, I joined, it was like a dozen of us. When I left, it was about 50. So I had a very good uh, experience in the growth trajectory of the business I was taking off. So that was really exciting. I was working directly with the founders. So they're entrepreneurial drive was very contagious as well, which was uh, exciting. And um, so in parallel to that, uh, you know, I was catching up with Kevin and say, hey, let's start, you know, e-commerce, uh, whatever. We'll see what happens, right? So we had zero sort of expertise, but we we're both working in the digital world. So we thought we will figure things out. And uh, um, I'm going to go the, the full route, but it's a little bit of an embarrassing story. But we, we thought, okay, what's, what can we sell online? It was obviously before the days of Shopify and dropshipping. So what can we sell that will be easy to ship? You know, so very little inventory, ideally no sizes. And we actually settled on neckties. I think we're two good examples on, on this podcast right now that nobody wear next, wears neckties anymore. I, I didn't even wear one on my wedding. So, you know, like that, that's <laughs> how... Uh, how much people love neckties. And uh, case in point, we flew to Italy. We found that uh, great little um, company workshop in southern Italy, Naples, who did awesome hand-stitched uh, uh, silk neckties. And we got a box of 1,000. I was sitting in my living room. We launched the website. And we thought, all right, now let's get the sales pouring. And it turns out that we got no sales. And uh, as a matter of fact, 
not only was the market very small, it was also very fragmented. A lot of people were doing ads on AdWords and you know, the usual suspects. And the acquisition costs were absolutely prohibitive for 30 euro products. So we had still that box of 1,000 ties sitting in my living room. We thought, all right, uh, let's try to be good entrepreneurs. Let's try to find ways to, to sell these ties. And we tried a number of things, most of which failed quite spectacularly. But one thing that did work was reaching out to fashion bloggers, sending them a product, begging them a hundred times to write a review. And at the end of which, the review would come online, would generate traffic, traffic would turn into clients. And so that's how eventually we, we sold our 1,000 ties and we thought, well, uh, let's learn a couple of things here. So number one, never again. Uh, number two, uh, even though that was not at all how it was called, but you know, what eventually became influencer marketing, it works, right? Where at least it worked for us. And hypothetically, it could work for any consumer-oriented brand. So this is great. However, it was extremely time-consuming. Uh, you know, again, that was uh, in parallel to our day gigs. So it was uh, we're literally spending nights on this. It was uh, very time-consuming, and it was also quite opaque. Especially with blogs, you don't get as many metrics like vanity metrics on social media. So sometimes you make shots in the dark and we ended up, you know, sometimes sending a hundred bucks to a blogger who would generate zero conversions. You know, all right, damn. You know. And so that's when, that's when sort of we had the Eureka moment thinking, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a software, a piece of software that could help you scale the process and make it very data driven. And that's the premise in which the company was founded. I love that. I love that. I, you know, it's so funny. I, a somewhat of a similar story. I, I, I um, had a patent on these things called hot pads. They were the reusable heat packs that I came out with. And this, this is, I don't even know, 20 years. I mean, it's a long time ago. This is a, a long time ago. I mean, the internet, I'm so bad with dates. Anyways, it was a long time ago. It was right when the internet was coming out. And, you know, now, I, now I'm like I'm 100 years old or something. But that we did the same thing. Like we had some of the same issues. I bought tons of inventory and just said, I'm going to go, I'm a marketer. I'm going to go, you know, build a website. And I'm going to have to hire somebody to count all my money because it's just like, I'm just going to, you know, these things are the best things since sliced bread. I can't wait. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I did get, you know, we, we made it into a promotional item, you know, so we sold it on uh, like ASI and so it was promotional. We also made it therapeutic. And so there were some things, but I had inventory. So I, you talk about those thousand neckties. I had inventory in my garage. We moved probably three times. And then the third time we moved, my wife's like, so, uh, uh, how much longer are we going to keep that inventory in the garage? And I'm like, like, what do you mean? Like, it's, you know, you know, she goes, yeah, but you've you know, got tons of inventory. Cause I used to have big warehouses, not big warehouses, but you know, good size warehouses. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, cause I, I ended up getting rid of the business. And so we still had them and it's like, well, you know, just kind of, kind of keep them. And she's like, so like, in case we get cold in the winter, like our heat goes out, like you have, you have like, you know, thousands of What's them. The and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is the plan? Exactly. That's, it's like, I don't mind, but like we've moved them three times and I don't see you really pushing that forward on, on the hot pad thing. Cause you know, we had had grid orders with Disney and some good stuff, you know, it was good times, but it was definitely, definitely a lesson where I was like, Oh, and so I just, I could just see those thousand neckties where yeah. your wife's like, those are awesome. So what are we doing with them? And you're like, so what's the plan, right? That's the big question. And so I love that. So once again, I very similar, you know, in the regards that didn't really have anything to do with influencer marketing. This is way before influencer marketing. But I understand yeah. that like you buy all the product and you're like, this is before you, you know, drop shipping was big and you're like, I'm just going to buy it all. And this is perfect. Get all the inventory and you're like, God, oh, this is awesome. And you're like, damn, that's a lot of product. I got to figure out how to sell them now. And so that's, but that's part of what I think the foundation of what you guys built is you guys were in the middle of this thing going, okay, how do I do this? You realize influencer marketing, you do this through bloggers and, you know, giving samples and understanding that and got even better. Like if we don't have vanity metrics, if we have better metrics to be able to take a look at to make better decisions, then obviously we can scale, right? And make good things happen. So 
100%. that kind of ties into upfluence. I mean, I want to, I want to talk a little bit, I mean, I'll be honest, like we don't have enough time to talk about everything you guys do. Cause you guys have so many, like the analytics and the, what you guys provide, you know, I, I've been, like I said, I've been stalking you guys for a long time thinking, God, I'd love to get access one day and, and to be able to see all that juicy data that you guys have back there. But let's talk about that a little bit. Let's tell us a little bit about the platform and what you guys have built. Yeah, of course. So, um, what started very much as an influencer marketing suite, so giving brands and agencies the tools to really scale their influencer marketing program. In the last um, year and a half, we've very much transitioned towards social commerce. So we're still working with creators and influencers, but our mission very much has become to help companies that sell online, sell them more online, but via the power of creators, right? So. Um, the way the features work, it's very end-to-end. -end. I mean, we really do all the things. We tick all the boxes in the sense that we do influencer discovery, so we help brands and agencies identify large volumes of influencers. There's a lot more to unpack, but I'll go quick. Influencer activations, how do I reach out to large volumes of influencers in a very personalized and very one-to-one -one sort of manner, but at scale. Free workflows, how do I manage large volumes of influencers and how do I navigate them through the creative uh, process? For influencer payouts, how do I pay influencers in many different locations, in many different currencies, in a way that's compliant? And last but not least, uh, the uh, monitoring, so monitoring of sales, right? how do I generate sales and how do I monitor the GMV, the conversions, the ROI, all that good stuff, but also how do I monitor the social media performance, right? Who posted when, what kind of reach, what kind of impression, what kind of engagements, and so on and so forth. Um, and so we have packaged that in, in a full suite uh, as a result. I love it. You, it's end to end. I mean, that's literally everything. It's like, how do you find the people all the way to paying them and finding out the metrics and finding out who you should spend more money with? I mean, that's always the hardest part. You know, when we started doing influencer marketing early, early on, and this was probably about eight, eight plus years ago now, because that was the hardest part is that we had, you know, we're making good money for one of my clients. It was a fitness influencer. Um, and she, she was, you know, crushing it. The problem is we didn't know out of the 20 influencers we're working with, which, which 10 were doing phenomenal, which 10 weren't doing phenomenal because we didn't have tons of software. And so it was like, we're kind of That's looking right. at this thing going, who's moving the needle, right? Like, how do we know that, you know? And so um, I love the fact that you guys have that. It's once again, it sounds like an all-in-one solution for any type of brand that once again, wants to know hey, how to find them all the way to paying them and knowing what works, which is really, which is the goal. That's the only way to know the true ROI of influencer marketing is to be able to, A, how do you find the people? What do you pay the people? And then how do you pay mm -hmm. the people? And then see if it works. So I love that. Like, and what do you think, obviously, you've been, you guys have been doing this for, what, nine years, almost 10 years, right? You guys are yeah. sneaking up on 10 years, which is crazy, right? That's, I yeah, mean, you really think about it, it's time flies. Time flies. We're, we're getting older. I know. It, it happens. Yeah. It happens. What type of businesses do you think are, are best for upfluence? Like, what have you guys seen over the last 10 years after building the platform? So, this actually has changed dramatically over the, over the years. And so, since we transitioned towards social commerce, it's very much the Com any company that sells online. So, you know, an e-commerce company, a direct-to-consumer brand, an online retailer, like, you know, whoever it is, but company that has a store, has the infrastructure to, to sell would be a great fit for, for what we do. Now, there's still that sort of legacy kind of use case where you make more, uh, you know, we talked about vanity metrics, when you make more awareness campaigns and, and that kind of stuff. But I think the direction in which the industry goes is very much lower in the figurative marketing funnel. It's very close to to conversions and to sales attribution in general. Gotcha. So it's really anybody, anybody that says, Hey, you know what, you're looking for a new revenue stream and you guys are looking to try something out. Then you guys pretty much have the all in one platform where you can do it from end to end. So I, I love that. I want to know a lot more about Upfluence, but we're running out of time for now. We'll continue this conversation on the next episode. So stay tuned to the marketing growth podcast.